I just felt like this morning, we want to we stay where he is and we want to trust him for a fresh anointing of joy to be released in us and over us and through us this morning. So um, Peter and I were speaking and, and he's been looking after his health, so he's been cutting down on coffee and he was saying to me that if you take coffee out in the morning, you're like 80% less joyful, which is, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. It's not that kind of joy uh, that we're speaking about this morning. This morning we are trusting for the joy that is not dependent on how much coffee we have or how our circumstances are looking, but that, that eternal joy of the Father. So I've asked Jackie, he shared with us on um, Wednesday evening, just I think the Firestarter group, which is like this row over here, <laughs> woo, woo. They, um, they had a joy activation and they were taught about joy last week and that resulted in Jacques speaking around that at the home church and just the ministry of the Holy Spirit last week. And so we're continuing on that theme. So Jacques going to start and then I'll share some thoughts and we'll go into worship after. So I heard a guy preach, um, I don't know, a couple of years ago and he was preaching at a church, very tough crowd, um, very somber people and somebody in the crowd had a heart attack and it took paramedics about two hours to find the right person. Now, <laughs> now that's not going to happen here today. That happens at other churches. But in Romans, it says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace. And sometimes the Lord, he hides things from us. And sometimes he just makes it very plain. And I think this is a scripture that makes it very plain that the kingdom is based, the, the kingdom is characterized by three core things. Righteousness, that Jesus is one for us. Joy and peace. Now, the joy is something that sometimes we forget to tell our body that we are joyful because we, we are, if we are really joyful, it should be something that shows everywhere. And you know, the Bible says that um, don't be drunk with wine with, uh, where is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's drawing a direct correlation. Paul is in Ephesians is drawing a direct correlation between being drunk and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, being filled with the Holy Spirit is the real thing. Drunk is not the real thing. But you know, if you are drunk, you don't care what people think. If you are drunk, you could also become a little dangerous. If you are drunk, I mean, it's like, like for women that go into labor, which is, I'm sure, an incredibly um, painful experience. They give them laughing gas and they're able to sail through this thing, smiling through on the other end. And in essence, I had a picture almost like we're all like astronauts. There is an environment outside of us that is noxious, but we've got the suit on and we've got this helmet on and we being fed oxygen. And oxygen is the thing that makes us thrive. If we have too much of the stuff that's not inside our helmet, we start dying. And there is a narrative in the world right now going around, and the enemy's sole purpose is to steal our joy because the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And it says in his presence is fullness of joy. And so we are called to live from that place, from the place of joy, from the place of victory, not from a place of, yes, I'm joyful. No, but actually my body needs to show. And, you know, there's something else here as well. You know, when, when we, uh, for those of you that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, the first time that you spoke in tongues, the Lord didn't come and move your mouth. The first time that you prophesied, the Lord did not move your mouth 
and then you started, you fell up. Because the Bible says that faith without works is dead. And sometimes we have to get out the boat to see if the water is going to keep us up. Sometimes we have to. And this morning I'm really trusting that the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit that breaks the yoke of bondage. It's the Holy Spirit that sets us free from wrong thinking, from strongholds. It's the Holy Spirit that brings His joy. And let me tell you, God is joyful. God is, if we had to close our eyes right now and focus on a picture of the Father, and if He's not smiling, we've got the wrong picture. Because I want to read one scripture in Luke chapter 2, and it says, There were shepherds camping in the neighborhood, and they set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly God's angels stood among them, and God's, God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, Don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A Savior has just been born in David's town. Now, we know that that is almost the essence of the, the, the hymn, Joy to the World, the Lord has come, let earth receive a king. And we have, in our, I know I have, in my mind, I have attached that Christmas carol to Christmas period. Because that's when we're on holiday, that's when we buy presents, that's when we get to spend time with people. But actually, this is for all eternity, for every single day, joy to the world right now. Not just at Christmas, not just when you get gifts, not just when you're on holiday, but we are called to suck that oxygen because that's the thing that makes us thrive. Amen. So good. Okay, let that be the launching pad. I just want to share some thoughts. The title of my preach this morning is Joy is Underrated. We'll focus in our spiritual walk, in our Christianity, on a bunch of things, impact, influence, all of which are important, but joy is underrated. And I want to read from Hebrews 1, where it says, The Father describes the Son, Jesus. And the whole chapter is about how Jesus is described. But I want to read from verse 8. About the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, the Father, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. The oil of joy. When the Father is describing the Son, one of the outstanding characteristics is joy. Thank you. And uh, the Amplified says, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of exultant joy. That's the awkward joy where you dance and you jump and you celebrate and you revel. It's triumphant joy. It's victorious joy. Why? Because of the work of the cross. He is now seated at the right hand of the Father above every enemy throne, dominion, power, victorious from that moment for all of eternity. We are in the unfolding of that and not the full culmination, but he sits in victory. And therefore his joy is exultant joy and gladness. Do you know what gladness is? It's the feeling of well-being and contentment. It's like it is full. 
fullness of joy above and beyond your companions. Jesus above everyone carries the oil of joy. And this joy is not the coffee we have in the morning, which makes me so happy. It is not a pill that wears off. It is not a fleeting moment. It comes from our union with Jesus. His joy rises up within us. Therefore, despite our circumstances, our pain, our hurt, our weeping, there is joy. There's moments that I've got up in the last years and I'll be making coffee in the morning and I'll be like, oh my word, I feel joy bubbling up. Despite, I like don't know why, you know? And that is coming from my union with the Spirit. We speak a lot about John 15 here at The Collective because that picture of Jesus is the true vine and we are grafted in through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We are reborn into union. We are grafted into his life. We participate in his life. And we spend a lot of time looking at that, learning to abide. Um, If we go to John 15, let's quickly look. And what it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man or woman remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's the core of how we live, the fruitfulness that we were created for in Genesis 2. Be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. That is the prayer of Jesus when he teaches us to pray. Let, let your kingdom come in and through our lives. It's the original mandate for the work and ministry of our life. It comes from relationship. It came from relationship in the Garden of Eden. It comes from relationship with the Holy Spirit. And verse 11 says, why do I tell you this? I have told you this so your joy may be complete and that you, my joy, may be in you. I tell you all of this so my joy may be in you and my your joy may be complete. Joy is underrated. We are meant to walk in the fullness of this union, participating in the life of Christ, that our joy may be complete, that we may know his joy. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, In fact, Galatians 5 is basically John 15, Keep in step with the Spirit, walk with the Spirit, live by the Spirit, i.e. abide in friendship, partnership, and relationship, and fruit will appear in your life much like it does in an orchard. Love, kindness, goodness, peace, joy. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You see, God wants us to express His nature. His nature is His characteristics. He wants us to express that to the world in and through our relationship with him. The fruit of the Spirit is a really good description of the nature of God. God is love. God is goodness. God is peace, self-control, joy. So when we participate with the Holy Spirit in relationship and union, fruit of his nature appears, and then people get to eat of his nature in and through our lives. So I want to ask you, in your spheres of influence, in your marriage, your home, your family, the schools where you go, or your business spaces, here, 
Are people eating love, joy, peace? Are they eating the nature of God? Because yes, we are trusting for salvations. Yes, we are trusting for miracles. We want to see the transforming life of the kingdom. But when they encounter you at a table, when they're speaking to you, are they eating of the nature of God? We were, I had a young adult's evening, you know, two weeks ago, and I said to the team, pray for the kids, prophesy over them, pray for miracles as you see the Lord moving in the room. But most of all, I want them to experience the nature of the Father, the presence of Jesus in and through you. Joy is demonstrated, joy is lived, and joy is tangible. It is not a theoretical concept. I don't think we should be happy with joy just as a theory. Oh, that's a good word. Really? Let it, not, let it be more than a theory. So this week I'm lingering on this, and one of my favorite worship artists from back in the day, Benjamin Dunn, he was a drug addict, down and out drug addict, radically saved by the gospel. And his songs are very childlike. They're not, they're, they're not in the same kind of um, sort of mold as maybe like a Bethel song or whatever. But I put on one of his songs called You Are Better. You are better than all the drugs put together. You've come into my heart and blew it up. And your love throws me around like a wild bull when the rodeo comes to town. Your joy, it hits me and it gets me moving and shaking and dancing like a gypsy. Their ministry was actually to the gypsies in Eastern Europe. Your heart makes my heart move to the rhythm of an 80s love song. You spin me around like a shiny disco ball. So, I'm, so this song is on. It's childlike. I'm spinning around my kitchen like a wild rodeo has come to town, like a, like a shining disco ball like that. And the joy and the laughter begins to manifest. I'm like, God, you're so good. You're so fun. You're just wonderful. And it took me singing that song. We take ourselves so seriously, and then joy becomes a concept and a theory instead of, I'm going to challenge you. Can you go spin like a disco ball around your kitchen or around your home this coming week? Sometimes we need to take our faith and put it into action. We need to actually do something like the sacrifice of rejoicing. Bill Johnson speaks about that. Sometimes you connect with joy through the sacrifice of rejoicing when you don't feel like it. It's like we only get to do that this side of eternity because on the other side, there's no tears and no sadness. and no. So in those spaces when the circumstances become tight, the last thing I want to do is rejoice. But if we can just start dancing like a disco ball and put on the worship and just rejoice in the pain, then it just like, that faith unlocks the reality that we are in union with joy himself. There's a story in scripture where joy is demonstrated, where there's undignified, throwing your cares to the wind kind of joy. And I'm going to read, I'm going to read that, that scripture for us now. It's in 2 Samuel 6. And David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. So in the Old Testament, New Testament, through Jesus' death on the cross, burial and resurrection, we individually and plurally have become the dwelling place for God. We have become his temple. In the Old Testament, his presence was housed in the Ark of the Covenant. 
And when David becomes king, he wants to bring his, his entire passion and aim and vision is to bring the presence of God into Jerusalem, build a temple and house, be a dwelling place for God. And um, in Acts, it tells us that, that David is a man after God's own heart. Now, at the end of my life, if, if I hear the father say, she was a woman after my very heart, I'm done. I'm like, okay, I'm done, right? So what was it that made David a man after God's own heart? There's a lot of things. He lived with such an emotional honesty before the Lord and authenticity that we need to see restored to the body of Christ. Um, he was the underdog when his dad, you know, when, when Samuel came to anoint the king in Jesse's family, Jesse doesn't even call David to the table. He's like, can't be David. You know, he's the underdog. We all love the underdog. Got a big heart for the underdog. Um, he developed this, this dependency on God in the hills of Bethlehem, killing the lion and the bear, which then created this incredible trust and power when he defeated Goliath. But I don't think that those are the reasons why he was a man after God's own heart. I believe what distinguished him the most we find in Psalm 27, and you find it throughout the Psalms. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is the one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord to seek him in his temple. He, the presence of God, was the one thing I want to live face to face. I want the presence near me. I want to house the presence. I want to live in the presence. And I believe it was that simplicity of heart that the Lord was like, that's the heart that I desire. The Lord has always looked for a dwelling place from Eden. And then the disobedience that happened in that garden, he could no longer dwell in that intimate relationship with man. And we have sin and separation until through Jesus we could again become his dwelling place. He's always looked for a dwelling place. It's such a big deal. And we tend to be like, Jesus is here. That's so nice. Like, it's really nice. And we've missed this one thing that we have the presence of God living in us and with us, the source of our joy, the sustainer of our joy. And this life is no longer a timid, grave-tending life. That's what Romans 8 in the message says. We have the resurrection life that raised Christ from the dead in the Holy Spirit living in us, busting out of us. We no longer live under this heavy cloud of we're not good enough. We have God with us. We have him leading us. Jesus took on that broken humanity in himself and through his death, burial, and resurrection, he opened a free, wide open resurrection life that we get to participate in. If we see that, the good news of the gospel, the actual lavish good news of the gospel and the crescendo of the cross, which is that we are no longer alone, but his presence is in us and with us, it is the source of joy. Not, it is nice, but exuberant, embarrassing, all-in, celebratory, exultant joy, like a disco ball, an 80s love song, dancing in your living room, that kind of demonstrated joy. 
And so David is so passionate about the presence of God that this is what happens. And I'm going to read uh, 2 Samuel 6 from verse 13. Can I just have a sip of water? Okay. For those who were carrying the ark of the Lord, so now they're bringing the ark of the Lord, which is the dwelling place of God, into the city. Um, when they'd taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might, while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and sounds of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in the place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And after he'd finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. And he gave each a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. And all the people went to their homes. When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls and the servants as any vulgar fellow would. The first thing that comes out of her mouth, sarcasm. And David says to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But these slave girls you spoke of, to them I will be held in honor. And Michael, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. We get two hearts here, okay? Joy is actually extremely vulnerable. We build walls to protect our heart from disappointment, pain, the opinion of others, our reputation. Those are all walls of protection that we build. It's a little dangerous to be extreme. It's extremely vulnerable. It's extremely childlike to be all in. There's like, once you that... You know, I said to Jacques, come on, take the top off and dance around, you know. He said he hasn't done quite enough ab work this week. But, um, but to be that is, it's vulnerable. It's all in. There's no escape strategy from that. It's, I trust, I love, the joy is awkward. And then there's the heart that is walled that we see in Michael, and it's sarcastic. How dignified were you? I think, can we just be honest with ourselves for a moment and just watch how often we're sarcastic or cynical or judgmental? Because what we're doing is we're building a wall that's actually separating us from the fullness of life, and we're holding back, and we're so concerned about what people think. And that makes us judgmental. You cannot be concerned about what people think without also being judgmental. 
and sarcastic. And sarcasm is that bite. It's actually, it's, it's actually taking a, a nick out of somebody. And we, we, need, we need to be aware of that. It's big. It's a big thing. And, um, and allow the Holy Spirit to take down those walls of defense. I, I feel like this morning he's going to take down the walls of defense where we protect ourselves from all in joy, actually from all in living. I'm safe here. I'm safe here. And all in living means fullness of joy. All in living also means experiencing pain. It's part of it. But the spirit is the source and sustainer of our joy in the pain. And so we think if we build a wall, the pain won't get us. It will, but you're also not living fully in the joy. And so we see these two hearts. And interestingly enough, Romans 14 verse 17, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the realm of the Holy Spirit is spoken into a church context where they are in disagreement. It's actually kind of a picture of this. The one group is like, it is bad to eat this and it is bad to drink that. And the other group are like, it doesn't matter what we eat or drink, it's the gospel. And so you have this. And Paul is like, actually, though that food and that drink is neither clean nor unclean. It's just, but your hearts to one another, your hearts of kindness. Let me tell you, the kingdom of God is not about eating or drinking or keeping rules. It is about righteousness here and here. That means if you can eat that food and they don't like it, why don't you not eat it while they're at the table so that we can sit together? It's about humility of heart, righteousness, joy, and peace in the realm of the Holy Spirit. And friends, I think that that needs to become key. Are we exhibiting righteousness, joy, and peace and the realm of the Holy Spirit? Two comments, and then we're going to go into worship. The first one is work is incredibly important. It's like, oh, so nice. If you can just be like, you know, dancing like a disco ball every day. The work and the ministry of your life is what you were created to do. Work is holy. In the original purpose for mankind, men and women, we were given a mandate. Be fruitful, multiply, and subdue. Only multiply is about having children. Fruitful and subdue is about bringing the kingdom of God through the ministry of the work of our life and leaving a mark for heaven here on earth. How do we do that work? 2 Peter 1 verse 3, His divine power given to us by His indwelling Spirit has given to us all we need for life and godliness. All you need for what He's created you to do in your work is given by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit through the rich experience of knowing Him. So we have the story in Nehemiah, Nehemiah, where the wall, God calls Nehemiah to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem that has been destroyed. A wall that took years to build takes Nehemiah and his crew 50 days, 52 days. Okay? Do you know what the name Nehemiah means? Comforter. Nehemiah is a picture of the Holy Spirit. When we participate with the Comforter, when we are working in participation with the Holy Spirit, he can do what would take us years. And that's what we're learning, the practice of participating, not only in spiritual moments of abiding, but in every secular moment of our life. How do I practice the presence of God? And we are learning as a community to do that imperfectly. Perfection is not the goal. 
practice is the goal. And what is the key to the strength of Nehemiah? Nehemiah 8 verse 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. We are no stronger than our joy. How are we measuring our strength? How are we measuring our strength? We are no stronger than our joy. That's a little bit of a reframe. How are we measuring our strength? Can you just close your eyes a moment and just think about how you're measuring your strength, how you get through every day, how you get through the challenge? Are you asking the Lord for renewed, tangible joy from the source of his presence? Can we measure our strength by our joy? There's a Bono quote. For those of you who know me, Bono is one of my heroes that I love. And uh, he has this quote that says, I hold the right to be ridiculous, very dear. And over the last months, you can ask, Rob, that the, I'm like, this is going to be real for me. The tangible joy of God, like laughing, dancing, singing karaoke kind of joy is what I want to know. And it's been a growing thing in my own life. And I'm like, there is awkward there is so awkward. There is embarrassing. There is one of Maddie's friends said to me, um, he comes to the worship night. I, I love how you bounce. You're so bouncy. I'm like, wow, I'm the bouncy mom, you know. The right to be ridiculous, the right to live in joy vulnerably. And I suppose, yes, it's actually letting the walls down of I'm not going to care what you think of me. I'm going to live here. Sometimes I'm going to be too much. Okay, so I'm going to be, you know what, as long as I'm living here from this joy and we're experiencing it growing and it's not always spiritual, it's laughing and singing karaoke and dancing and putting on stupid music and whatever it is, you know, it's activating with the spirit. He's in all. He is not over serious. He is not over intense. He is not stressed. He is joy. And um, so anyway, okay, we're going to end. Can I have the beautiful worship team? Jacques, he has more to say. One moment, please. <laughs> I don't get enough opportunity at home to speak, so that's right. <laughs> I really feel like there's an invitation by the Holy Spirit for us to just shake off some things that hold us. So there's a river flowing here this morning. And when you worship... Can I ask you to do something that you don't normally do? If it's tapping your right foot, then tap your right foot this morning. But do something different. If, it's, if you don't normally raise your hands, raise your hands. If you don't normally clap, clap. Just do something. Put your faith out there and see what the Lord will do. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's stand. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Come on. Happy day. Oh, 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 happy day